0: Hi, everyone. This is Tim Ard, and welcome to this edition of Along the Forest Apps Road. I have a special guest with us today for this podcast. That's a gentleman that I haven't seen, I guess, probably 25 years or so. Talked to him several times on the phone, back and forth on uh, social media, but it's been a while since we've chatted, and that's uh, Norm Hall from up around the Lake States in the Chicago area. You on there, Norm? Yes, I am. How's everybody doing day down south and uh, and hopefully uh you have good weather up that way too yes sir we do it's
1: about seventy one degrees we got a little bit of wind don't have the air conditioning on today
0: it's a very nice day and thank you for the invite i appreciate it well uh, that's great that's great i i uh I was just thinking uh, where where did we first meet that was uh, one of the one of the uh training classes i guess was it isa or was it uh arbor master or what was it
1: i from what i remember it was an arbor master training course and then for the arbor games finals in nelsonville ohio
0: yeah that's right that's right you kind of competed there a little bit didn't you
1: yes sir i did
0: <laughs> i tell you those were the days and uh, i uh I've got some some uh, talking back and forth to several people who's who's been involved from those times and and they're all pretty busy out there sharing information and doing great trying to get everybody up to up to snuff and safety out there in the tree care business and and the uh, reason why I, I had talked to you is to kind of Maybe discuss a little bit, a little bit later. I'll chat with you some more here, but but um, a little bit later about some of the bucket or lift training that you do, because I get a lot of questions about that. But I know you've uh, you've been in the in the chainsaw wind- rendering side of it for many many years too, and uh, not only the climbing and rigging, which very very strong in, but uh, you you are also uh, was it care of trees or something around the Chicago area that you started off with. I worked for the Care of Trees for forty years. Forty years. You're not yep. that old.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I remember you. Uh, you had quite a team there. Um, I've met two or three of the guys that you worked with there, I remember, back years ago. And uh, that's that's quite an operation around the Chicago area, or it was, I know, when you were involved with it. And then and then you were very involved with the ISA, because I guess out of Illinois is where they're kind of homed. And, and uh, you started doing a lot of training with that, didn't you? I started
1: a, as an instructor for the Illinois Arbor Association back in 2002. With some safety uh, courses, and then that evolves into some rigging, climbing, pruning, felling, chainsaw maintenance, cable bracing courses. So we we offer up to nine different courses in what we call the tree worker domain. And I am the lead instructor for that domain. Oh, cool,
0: cool. Very good, very good. Yeah, I, I, you know, there there is so much when it comes, you know, all I do is now pretty much just city and town stuff. But uh, I worked last week with a, a, a police department in uh, north of Atlanta. And, you know, a lot of a lot of my people, they've they've barely uh, even started a chainsaw in many cases. And and uh Then I have to try to get them to understand uh, some things on tree felling for some of them, and then most of it's storm cleanup type stuff. But I work a lot with the power companies that work a lot out of buckets, and then a lot of the cities and towns uh, are starting to add bucket trucks as they have funds available, and. you know there there's so much though when it comes to what you've done over the years with rigging and ropes and and uh, then also the different chainsaw techniques to work with that but it's uh, it's amazing uh how you keep up with all of that I, there's so many changes in that industry I just it's just absolutely amazing
1: yeah there's been a lot of changes in the past 25 years even in the past 5 years it's phenomenal how many changes there are. Keeping up with all these the different safety standards, yeah. going on the web and attending courses just to keep up to date. It's a pretty full schedule. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, uh, tell me a, a little bit about um, uh, you know some of the some of the I guess you'd say lift training. I guess how most people look at aerial lift. I guess that includes bucket trucks and all that kind of thing. What what all is is really involved in that as far as uh, you come in and, and you give them the ability to to certify an operator? Is that kind of what it is? Follows some of the OSHA rules as well as general industry?
1: What I do is I just go up and follow the ANSI standards and what they, what they get when they complete one of our courses, a certificate of completion. I can't certify anybody because yep. I'm not qualified to do that. But it's just unreal as to un- how uninformed some of these people really are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, my first recommendation would be to read the owner's manual. <laughs> I would say 95% of my attendees or participants have never even put a hand on the owner's manual.
0: Right.
1: And there's some very important critical information on that. Yeah. every every lift is different, and every manufacturer is different. There are over under booms there are side by side booms, some have four stabilizers, some will have two stabilizers um some will have different slopes that you can operate from the most that I can recall is a five degree slope, hmm. but every manufacturer is different, so my first recommendation is. Always read the owner's
0: manual. Yeah, I I talk about that all the time with the saws is is that, uh, you know, most of the time when they get get saws and stuff that the equipment, uh, you know, they pick it up. It goes out maybe to a truck or into a tool room. And and then the paperwork always goes into a desk drawer somewhere. Nobody ever sees it. And uh, I always tell them, you know, at least with the equipment as far as trucks and tractors and stuff, it's usually rolled up in a tube or under the seat or in a glove box somewhere, but they, they still don't locate it in a lot of cases. And I was told that's one of the first things that OSHA really looks at, you know, is, is familiarization with the operator's manual from any manufacturer.
1: That's correct. And another recommendation I have is when somebody does read the owner man, owner's manual, I would go ahead and give them a test. And then if they pass that test, document it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more critical to OSHA than safety training documentation. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Keeping all the paperwork in line. Yeah.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. So I have an outline here. I'd be happy to go through it if that's, what you, if that's what you want me to do.
0: You had sent me kind of a copy of that. Um, and you know it that's extensive, i mean you know it's it's something to where um uh you know that's it's a lot of lot of information especially when you've got so many different uh types of units and those kinds of things that you have to make sure that you cover but it um you know some of the some of the basic things that that you know I think people don't understand has to do with uh, some of the dielectrics and those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, who's, who's supposed to get around power and who's not, uh, who's supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, kind of managing stuff from the ground or up in the air, you know, what type of PPE they should have or harnesses they should have, you know, all that stuff. And I see that you, you pretty much cover most all of that in your outline. So, and, uh,
1: yeah, I do. There's a, uh A full body harness you're supposed to wear with a dorsal attachment and it should have a deceleration lanyard and you're not, you're not supposed to fall more than six feet if you get ejected out of the bucket. Your deceleration lanyard should have an actual decelerator manufactured in it and your uh, connecting links should have a 3,600 pound gate. That's a a new anti-standard, I think, in nineteen or twenty twenty, rather.
0: Wow! So that's some stuff that's been updated that uh, people need to be aware of, because evidently there's a reason for that stuff, I guess. And, yes, uh, when the, if somebody does happen to get ejected,
1: and the gate gets in contact with the uh, the lift anchoring device. The gate can accidentally get crushed and open, so they they found that with a thirty six hundred pound gate, that is less likely to happen. The other gates were rated at about twelve hundred. There was a lot of accidental gate crushing openings as a result of these people getting ejected.
0: Mhm. Wow. I know they kind of look like a slingshot. I've seen some videos, you know, people pushing on treetops and those kinds of things, and then all of a sudden uh, they they kind of shoot out of the bucket kind of quick. Yes, sir. They sure do. Very unexpected. Yeah. Um, one other thing I just thought about, um, what what is your understanding, or I'm you, sure you know the rules, and as I've heard bits and pieces of it, but as far as uh, saw work out of a bucket, I've seen a lot of um, – of uh, the power companies and stuff going to uh, pole saw use out of the bucket, and uh, some are hydraulic, and I guess they're they're kind of gearing up for battery units, and then um, uh, also you know a lot of chainsaw use, little and large, uh, coming out of that, and uh, you know starting in the bucket, what should be carried up, those kinds of things. Do you you talk about some of that stuff in your training too, right? So
1: that's one thing that we stress. At the Care Trees, we had a rule that any time you operate a chainsaw, either from a rope and harness or from a lift, you shall have a deceleration lanyard on it, but it is not in the new standard. It's only in the standard for working out of a a rope and harness. As far as starting, never start the chainsaw in the bucket. Always start the chainsaw with the chain brake on and have something between you and the chainsaw Say a three part or the uh, the the basket or the bucket, no drop starting, always have the chain break engaged, mm-hmm. always start it at idle, except for when you're uh, cold starting, then you have that fast idle, but make sure the chain break is engaged. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what uh, um, on? Uh, I was reading something. I don't know whether it ever was finalized on the Z one thirty three. It was. It used to be like a ten and a half pound limit on uh, starting outside the bucket on saw size, and I think they moved it up to fifteen pounds or something like that. Yeah, so it's now a fifteen pound. But there's no there's no lanyard required. Is that what you said? There's no lanyard required. Hmm. I'm working out of a bucket. Okay, and so they would. Um, but you can't clamp start that or anything in the bucket no, you no. cannot okay, so it all has to be outside of the bucket, small saw and big saw when it's uh when Correct. it's started, but you could I guess you could go against a limb crotch or trunk or something like that to stabilize absolutely, yeah, highly recommended yeah, and if not, then you gotta you gotta land or rope it all the way up or something I guess from the ground
1: <laughs> Right. yeah we used to do that we used to do, uh. Tie our, our chainsaws in, like we did our, our climber, uh-huh. but yeah, you know, there's the new standards are kind of lax on uh, the chainsaw working out of a bucket.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I've kind of explained that wrong here over the uh, you know, starting with the um... Any size saw actually in the bucket or clamped or something like that, so I have to change that deal. But uh, yeah, I see what it is. I know, I know. If you, if you do nick a bucket and stuff like that, then you got all the dielectric certifications to redo and stuff. I guess too, if you're working with power, right?
1: Yeah, they recommend that you get your your lift dielectrically tested that annually. So yeah, if you do. Uh, most most of them will have a, a liner uh-huh. inside the basket which will add some dielectric qualities but yeah if that once if if that gets nicked with the chainsaw then yeah that's something to be aware of for sure
0: Uh, so the the liner can come out not have to replace everything but it would still be probably pretty expensive i assume yeah they're not cheap that's for sure yeah well that's you know all that kinds of stuff i i i hear about and that's that's something that like say i mean i guess you you see some of it in the operator's manual But um, I've had this thing here for the past few weeks, been talking a lot about uh, how people learn and repetition. And I mean, how do you how do you get people to practice those things uh, in the classes? You, You just have to try to keep class size fairly small and then a lot of up and down with the buckets or. Or what do, you, what do you do as far as uh, you know, trying to get people to understand it? Because I know, gosh, it has to be a world of events just on control differences and things like that when people are trying to learn it. Well,
1: we have two different courses. We have one course that is an advanced training course, and we limit the attendance to six. And that's a full six-and-a-half-hour course. And well, we, we go over the, the full three-page outline with that. And then we offer a municipal harvest training program where we offer two topics in a a six-and-a-half-hour period. So that's going to be a highly condensed program. And I just go over the highlights of the three-page outline. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, everybody will get a chance to go in the list. First, we'll get a chance to set it up, level it with the stabilizers, um, check it for hydraulic leaks. Put on their harness. Check the snaps or connecting links to make sure that they are indeed locking and self-closing. Mm-hmm. Check the anchor devices on the bucket. Make sure that they're indeed structural integrity is there. We uh, put on the harness. Make sure it's put on the correct way. And just let them fly the bucket, and we critique them. While they're uh, flying the bucket, Mm -hmm. so it has to be an unfolding procedure and a folding procedure. Every different manufacturers have different unfolding and folding techniques, so you have to follow that procedure. And then we go over the last thing we go over is uh, rescue. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Nowadays, the new buckets will have tilt features, so the the actual basket can be tilted to extricate the uh, the operator easily. But some of the older Buckets don't have a tilt feature, so we have to actually pull them out onto the cab guard
0: mm-hmm.
1: and wait for EMS. But yeah, that's our. Uh, that's pretty much what we do. The six the six and a half hour advanced training course is highly recommended because there's a lot more material involved. But you know the uh, the budgets come to play in with the municipalities, so. Mm-hmm. And that's why we offer a two-course, six and a half-hour day presentation.
0: Well, love that you just explained. That's that's kind of the questions that that I hear, you know, from managers and stuff. That uh, you know they've they've got this this new bucket that uh, they finally got appropriation funds for, and and then they um, they try to get somebody to to operate it and and up to snuff and 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 basically they the manufacturer representative or the sales outlet you know is is usually um their first attempt at at the training because it's it's usually uh, you know kind of comes with the purchase deal but then it doesn't do a whole lot for the operator is what i hear are constantly looking for um you know someone to be able to to give them what they need to you know get their people a little more up to accustomed with the with the bucket. And so uh you know I'm 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 just uh, glad that people like yourselves are out there doing that stuff. So and I guess you need to multiply a bunch.
1: Well, yeah. It, I am keeping pretty busy and I would be happy to come out and help anybody, but you know you, you can't unfortunately you can't do it for free. Right. Not like this most important thing, in my opinion, is just reading the owner's manual. After you read the owner's manual, the uh, supervisor should have some kind of exam pre- prepared and let the person uh, take this exam
0: mm-hmm.
1: and let, only let them fly the bucket if they, indeed, pass the, the exam.
0: Very good. That's a good place to start. And... Uh you know i think it it's it's always good to go back to the basics and and then try to seek out somebody like yourself norm to to be able to um make it interesting for the folks to where they retain more of it and you can also give them the experience from your background and be able to maybe make them a little bit more productive as well as safety and i i think that's something that sometimes they they don't always think about when it when it comes to um you know, finding some type of a training course or or whatever on equipment like this is is uh, thinking through. A, you might have to pay a little bit for it, but but more or less you make it back up, and a lot of um, less wear and tear on the equipment, and and a lot uh, more production in the long run. So, so that's yeah, uh,
1: and the safety factor is involved as well. You know, you can't emphasize enough on safety. You know how much is a life
0: worth
1: mm-hmm. I've had some uh, i don't know really I know of some individuals that have been killed while wellll in a bucket I know of a couple of i had a a high school buddy that got ejected and uh, wasn't wearing the harness still so on the asphalt pavement and didn't make it and then i've know i know I've known of some bucket failures where the company owners didn't have their aerial lifts inspected and the unit failed at the knuckle once and failed at the bucket once and uh, severe injuries occurred, no fatalities. But, you know, it's 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 extremely important to have your annual inspection. Mm-hmm.
0: It's good to have reviews on a lot of stuff, there's no doubt. Well, Norm, I appreciate you taking the time. I just wanted to kind of get a get a uh, little podcast together here and and um, offer you know what's out there and maybe somebody can get in touch with you and and uh, you can pass them to people in their area or you travel to it or, or whatever over some time in the future and I think that uh, I get questioned about it all the time and I uh, like I always tell people I, I I understand chainsaws a little bit but when it comes to that stuff I uh, there's no way. So, <laughs> so I have to look for folks like you. And, and I know from, from uh, all that I read and see that, that you have been quite an asset to the tree care as well as uh, uh, lift communities. And, and so we've, I just appreciate what you do big time.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And here again, thank you for the invite. It was an honor to be on your show
0: well thank you sir and uh stay in touch i'll be up in chicago in a couple months maybe we get together
1: that would that would be wonderful looking forward to that
0: all right thanks norm and we'll talk to you next time man see ya. all right thank you well that's norm hall and uh you can get in touch with him you can send a message to info at fourstaps.com or or uh comments on these uh Different podcasts, and I'll be glad to get you in touch with him. And so we appreciate you taking the time. Well, this is Tim Ard wishing you good sawing. Hope to see you along the Forest Apps Road.